I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level. And the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you. Or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to HR Coffee Time. It's great to have you here. I'm your host, Faye Wallace, a career and executive coach with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. I've made HR Coffee Time especially for you to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR and people career without working yourself into the ground. In this episode, you are going to meet two fabulous guests who generously share their experiences of working in standalone HR or people roles. Nicola Head, or Nikki for short, is the first person you're going to meet. Nikki works for a gaming company, so my sons are now deeply impressed that I know someone who works somewhere that makes computer games. And then you're going to meet Georgina Wright, who works for a healthcare organisation that is part of the NHS. A standalone role is usually a position where you personally are the entire HR or people function for the business you work in. You'll either be doing the role completely by yourself, or if you're lucky, you might have an administrator to help you with some of your work. You find standalone positions in startups and smaller organisations where there aren't as many people working there. So there isn't normally a justification for having more than one member of the people team. It's a role that I've done in the past myself and I've also coached a lot of people who have had standalone jobs, but I still learnt loads from speaking to Nikki and Georgina. They talk us through the positives and the challenges of the role, as well as sharing advice on how to thrive and succeed as a standalone people professional. I made this episode to help demystify the role if you've never done it before, so you can decide whether it's potentially the perfect position for you at some point in your career. 
but I hope you're going to enjoy the episode even if you're in a standalone HR role right now or you've been in one in the past because I think it's always so interesting hearing about other people's career journeys and experiences. Hopefully you feel the same way. Let's crack on and meet them now. Welcome to the show, Nikki. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. It is really exciting. I've been really looking forward to our interview together. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And can I start off by asking you to talk us through your career background? Yeah, absolutely. I I fell into retail straight out of college. I had a very varied sort of background in in retail stores and, and different companies and just worked my way up the ladder to management positions within retail found that I really enjoyed the people side of the business, such as like the development side, the ER side, because especially as a retail manager, HR is kind of more of a function where you, you call them for support rather than them coming and do that work for you. They are the ones talking you through that. So you are carrying out, you know, disciplinaries, investigations, things like that by yourself. So the ER side of that, and I found myself in quite complex situations I always laugh at when I look back and think how I ended up in these situations but I ended up in things like redundancy consultations for groups I worked for HMV before when they were going through their rounds of cuts and things and I ended up on like the consultation board so I learned a lot doing that and you know all sorts of things like that so after a few late night chats with the husband because he's also in HR decided to move into a junior HR role and, and completely change career path and start training. So I was taken on by a motor company based in Basingstoke at the time. And I was working with a great manager that I was able to go through CIPD. Sadly, the business folded, completely folded. There were three locations and the whole company had to be shut down. And it meant having to make all employees, including myself, redundant. And we're talking sort of in the hundreds. And I'd done store closures before. So I'd seen how a company closes it down and, you know, things like that. So in the end, I ended up having to leave that because I was the only one out of the two of us that had had experience in that. So as stressful as it was, it really reinforced valuable life lessons that then I've taken into other businesses. So after that, moved into contract catering with a really high case turnover. Again, as a junior-ish role under a standalone manager and built a really small team and worked my way up to be the manager of there. And then now I'm in the games industry. So I've joined them as a standalone HR manager and now the people and development director. And I'm now building a small team in three, soon to be four countries. Well, huge congratulations on your recent promotion. It's such wonderful news. I know how hard you've been working, so I'm absolutely thrilled for you. Thank you. So although you're not going to be in a standalone role for much longer, it would be brilliant if I could ask you to share some of your experience of now and previously in all this time that you have been in your standalone role. And you are actually the reason that we're doing this episode. It's when I met you for the first time, your passion for your role and your love of the fact that it was a standalone position really shone through. And that is in contrast to what I have seen many other times, because I know that standalone roles can be incredibly challenging. I've been in a standalone role before and I've coached and worked with lots of other HR professionals who have standalone roles. And although they can be wonderful and they can be enjoyable, people don't always enjoy the position. So it would be great to hear from you what it is about the standalone role that makes you enjoy it so much. I love that 
no two days are the same. You know, the work that I'm doing is improving somebody's career journey or having a direct impact in the development of a business. You know, I've I've loved working in teams. I love different team makeups. It's it's great, but when you stand alone, you're setting the agenda. You're the person that they're coming to to discuss these things with, and you can really feel creative in the role that you're doing. The role I'm in now, you know, I've been able to take everything I've learned so far in other companies that I've been in, and especially, you know, not just the successes, but the failures as well, and adapt it to projects that we've had within the last year or so in the business. Because it is a smaller business, I've been involved in not just the usual HR function, but you know, we've recently had office moves and that included the design of the office and a full rebrand and those sort of things you wouldn't expect HR to be a driver of, but it, it affects people, it affects the people journey and in lieu of having a project or branding team, you're the support in line. And I think there's a real shift from what's been seen as a, as a kind of regimented HR where everything needs a policy or notes or formal write-ups, whereas now it's more you know, guidance, support and development, which can really give a great balance to the work you're doing. I've seen it where it's been constant, serious ER cases and you're having to deal with that day in, day out. And when you're doing nothing else but that, it can have a really negative impact on how you see things and, and you can't really see the value you add. And those roles, especially in larger companies where you could be, that is all your role is, it's an ER focus it can get you down. Whereas if you're somebody that really enjoys setting the pace, setting the agenda, you know, you're lucky if you ever get a company that never has any ER, but if you're doing other things around that, it just keeps different creative flows going in the background. So yeah, I think that's what I really enjoy about it is that I could jump into something different depending on what the priorities are. I don't think I could do the same thing every day. It's not for me. Well, the excitement of the variety is really shining through there when you speak, Nikki. Now that you've told us all the wonderful aspects of the reasons you enjoy a standalone HR role, can I ask you what some of the more challenging parts are of being in a standalone role? I'd be absolutely lying if I sat and said it's all roses all the time and it's really fun and you get to all these different things. That has a huge downside also. It can be really a really tough position at times. It can be a bit lonely. You are the only person, so you are effectively that go-to person for not just your senior management, but everybody in the business on that front. And if you have the wrong support network above you or little to no support from a senior buy-in level, it can border on toxic. It's really important that the company you're with or move to in the future match the values that you have yourself and take the people function seriously. If they see it as a department that doesn't make the company money, that view is completely off and it's going to be a fight to get resources. It's not impossible, but it's usually the case where you have to show a saving you've made and a cutback you've made before you can spend on something else rather than having to build on things that you need separately to that. I've been in some really tough positions where I've gone from standalone to having a director placed above me. That turned out to be quite toxic in that situation and it it backfired for the company. And, you know, at that point the damage was done, so I was ready to go. So, you know, it's really being clear what your HR function should look like and how you're going to do that as you build and the company gets bigger in the future because you need that buy-in that person's been in there day in day out so if you are thinking of putting a director in above an already standing hr manager 
you need their buy-in more than anything because you're actually effectively telling them to train your new person. So that kind of situation can get quite difficult as companies grow. And the downsides of obviously being jack of all trades is that you're jack of all trades. It means you've got to be doing everything without the ability to forward plan sometimes because you're stuck in the day-to-day. So you've got to be really strong in priority planning and just adjusting those priorities on the whim of what your senior management might need. But having the freedom to make decisions is great, but not if it causes you burnout or can give you a negative effect on on your health, like mentally and physically. So yeah, there can be extremes to things sometimes if you've not got the right support network. If you've got the right senior management buy-in, then it makes this a lot easier. And that trust to be able to do your job is really important. You know, your senior management need to be able to trust that they're putting you in standalone, so they need to listen to you. And that can be that can be challenging. And I think just on a final on that, I think it's difficult sometimes for you personally to know whether you're doing things the right way because you haven't got a team to feed off. You haven't got someone that's a peer that you can run something by. That's kind of why me and my husband both being in HR does have its positive sometimes because <laughs> you're like, how do you do that? But it does make it imperative to make sure that you're reaching out to make a network because that loneliness in that role can sometimes steer you down the wrong way. But I do believe that with the negatives, you get that in any role, but the positives can really outweigh it sometimes as long as you've got that support network. You've really helped bring the role to life fantastically there, Nikki, because I know that when you're considering moving into a new job, so for anyone listening today who might be thinking, oh, I want to move on, I've been thinking about maybe going into a standalone role, but I just don't really know what it's like. I know how incredibly helpful it will have been for them to hear you talk about it like that and really take away those important messages of being able to prioritise, be flexible, be happy with lots of different things going on at once, but most importantly, making sure you're moving in somewhere with really strong leadership and buy-in for the HR function. So thank you for sharing all of that. And before I say goodbye to you today, it would be brilliant to hear what advice you would like to give anyone listening today who is thinking of moving into a standalone HR or people role? It's hard work, but it's a warts and all way of learning the business functions and your decision making can really support the way a business grows, especially if you enter a startup company or like a smaller business. That you can help grow you might start as a standalone but then build your own team as that gets bigger and bigger and i I would probably say the few points that i would look at especially if you're starting it for the first time or you're moving into one from being in a team because that can be quite daunting as well invest in your automation i think things like ats's for recruitment hr systems and reporting you know get a solid reporting system in place that can do a lot of that work for you you don't want to be pouring over data and things like that to put in reports when something can do that for you. I'd say keep your employment law knowledge up to date as much as you possibly can, but check your company has employment law cover, because sometimes if these decisions you are making are going through the process, you want to make sure you're covered should that go any further, like a tribunal, things like that. So just make sure that the company's got the right infrastructure in place there for you. Network with fellow HR colleagues and groups. HR Ninjas is amazing, especially on Facebook, I'm always on it. You can always have a look and see what people are putting in. Then you might think, oh, I haven't thought about that. Or, you know, so networking is is fantastic because it just takes away that loneliness a little bit. 
startups and small companies are amazing that it can lack structure because it's looking to you so just be prepared to go with the flow you're not going to get everything right first time and you know they might not be working to the beat of your drum but just go with the flow it's great <laughs> and just probably a reminder of like Rome wasn't built in a day get your priorities right from the stakeholders refer back to them regularly because they are going to change their priorities the business is going to go in a different direction so I would say just don't beat yourself up that you're not getting everything done in one one go be realistic over communicate and just let them know what you can do you're only one person and I have to say this to myself all the time you're only going to be able to get what you can get in that time frame so just look after yourself and enjoy the role it has been fantastic to hear from you today Nikki and I just know that so many people listening are going to get so much out of your brilliant experience and advice. I wish you the absolute best of luck with your career going forward and really hope that you enjoy building your team. Thank you so much. Now that we've finished hearing from Nikki, let's move on and meet Georgina. Welcome to the show, Georgina. It's so wonderful to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Fit. It's great to see you again. Oh, no, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed our initial chat where I got to learn lots about you and your career, and I'm so excited that you're going to be able to share it with all the HR Coffee Time listeners today. So can I get started by asking you to just talk us through very quickly your career background and what it is that you do? Of course. So I'm currently a HR manager. I've been in the HR sector for less than 10 years, actually. I didn't know it was a a career option, you know, at school when they come and tell you about doctors or nurses or lawyers or teachers. I went and studied sociology at university and I loved it. And I was really fortunate to do a graduate scheme following on from that. And it was part of that graduate scheme that I got introduced to the world of HR. Started off by doing investigations and managing sickness. And I I just loved that element. I found it, I shouldn't probably say it, but I found it so juicy. I loved learning more. I loved that there were policies and that sometimes there is a right and a wrong for things. And yeah, so I wanted to go on from there. I took a very entry-level role in the NHS and that got me a lot of the grounding knowledge for HR, recruitment, a lot of forms, contracts, all your basics really. And I kind of progressed from there, moved through a few different NHS organisations from administrator to advisor to senior advisor and now HR manager. Wonderful. And with all of those roles that you've moved through, You've actually found yourself in quite a different situation now, haven't you? Because I know that in your NHS roles, you have supported, oh my goodness, thousands and thousands of people. But the role you're in now is actually a standalone role. That's correct. Yeah. So although they're all NHS organisations and public sector and ultimately a lot of the same kind of terms and conditions and policies, yes, the scope is very different. So at one point I was in a foundation trust, which are your big hospitals. And we had over 18,000 staff. So that was everything from cleaners and your cooks. So a lot of your auxiliary staff to then your doctors, nurses, consultants. So many roles that you probably don't even know exist that were all under the trust. And yeah, I looked after probably around four and a half thousand at any given time. That was when I was an advisor. And then when I progressed to senior HR advisor, And we were in such big HR teams as well that you just did your area. So I did just provide advice, you know, typically on employee relations, TUPE, really that kind of business partnering role with the directorate to move the people plan forward. 
We had a lot of HR teams. So there was a recruitment team, a systems team. We had a whole L&D division that didn't even really sit within HR. They were such a big function of their own. Our payroll was outsourced to another NHS provider. So the HR department was well over 100. And that's not even, like I say, with L&D in there or with payroll in there. So everybody stuck to kind of their function. There was an awful lot of support. So much knowledge sharing, you know, because people came from a variety of backgrounds. But even if you, I guess, weren't directly supporting on an investigation or a cheapy or some big organisational change, you had such good awareness of it. We did a lot of lessons learned, a lot of sharing of best practice. So you got so much exposure directly and then indirectly through your colleagues as well. I can only imagine how strange it must feel going from an environment like that to going to a standalone role where it's just you and you you haven't got a hundred other HR colleagues. How did that happen? I didn't even know there could be standalone roles in the NHS. I think when I applied for it, I don't think the that it really registered with myself. I wasn't purposely looking for a standalone role. I was looking for probably different type of exposure. I felt I'd really done a lot of the employee relations. There was, you know, a line of investigations and sickness management. And I felt I wanted a different element of HR. And that was more what drew me to the role rather than the fact it was standalone. And I think it was only probably when I was in post, probably a couple of months in post at that as well, that it really sunk in that I am that point of call for everything. I am blessed to have an assistant, so I guess it's not strict standalone, but my assistant, she does a lot of the the paperwork, the recruitment, but ultimately everything comes through me. And yeah, that is something that I hadn't really thought about when applying or even when taking the role, that it, it would be me for the advice, for really guiding the strategy forward, and that nobody else in the organisation is HR trained or HR background. And there's some fantastic managers that have obviously dealt with their fair share of HR issues over the years, the chief exec, but, you know, none of them come from a HR background. They're either a nurse or a clinical background, pharmacist, or maybe management through finance or governance. Nobody has any kind of HR qualifications or strict experience. Yeah, so like I say, it didn't occur to me until I was actually in post that there was just me. And I think it was when I came to certain things that maybe I wasn't as sure of where I would have usually checked with a colleague or asked for that senior advice that I was thinking, do you know what, it is just me. Kind of what I say goes or people will be going forward because the HR manager has told them that. So yeah, very interesting and very different. And I'm still kind of figuring it all out, really. How long have you been in the role at the moment for then? About a year and a half in the standalone role. And like I say, the first three months was definitely kind of finding my feet and understanding just the different NHS organisation. And yeah, then it's been challenging for myself learning to prioritise because it's a skill that everybody thinks they have. And it's one of the key ones you always put on your CV and a lot of job descriptions always ask for it. But actually coming down to it, it's more than just, right, what needs to be done now? And I think that's been the discipline I've had to learn between things I want to do. So I'm really health and well-being focused and I would choose to do that all day, every day. And when there is just you in that role, I can push that agenda. But I think it's about taking a step back and looking at the overall people strategy and looking at what the managers are coming to you with, with their issues and, and balancing all of that 
rather than just picking almost the nice things that you would like to do. And I think, yeah, that's a, a challenge of having a bit of discipline, being in a standalone role, as opposed to when I was in a team of about 100. You had a manager and a manager above her and a manager above them. And everybody was kind of a bit more firefighting as well. Whereas now it's, I report obviously to the chief exec, but to somewhat to myself, right, what am I going to do today? Right, what do I want to get done this week? If there's not a queue of investigations or there's not loads of queries, etc. And yeah, that's definitely taken some time to figure out how do I want to shape the HR function? I am very well respected where I'm at and that's a great credit to the organisation that they value HR so much. As I appreciate in some organisations, HR is still seen either as a beaten stick or it sits under finance sometimes, whereas I'm really blessed where I am that it absolutely is given the kudos it deserves to be standalone function. But yeah, with that comes a huge level of responsibility of shaping that that function. I can already imagine how many challenges, but also how many positives you're experiencing at the moment. I think we can feel them coming through as you're talking. So can I ask you to maybe go into a bit more detail on what some of the challenges are? I promise I'll ask you about all the positive stuff as well. Mm. You mentioned one challenge is about being able to prioritise. What are some of the other challenges that you experience from your position in a standalone role? For me, with this being my first standalone role, I wasn't prepared for the lack, I guess, of HR support. I've always had somebody to go to if I haven't quite understood a policy or how to interpret a policy. If I wanted to check something with somebody, I've always been surrounded by senior colleagues, by my peers just by a wealth of people who know the sector you're in, who know the absolute organisation, who often have really good historical knowledge as well of the organisation. And that's almost been on tap for all of my career. And I found that quite different moving to a standalone role. There is a lot of, of knowledge of company history where I'm at, which is great to find out what we've maybe previously done, you know, if there's been any precedents set. But in terms of actual HR knowledge, I have had to really kind of think about that a little bit more. I've probably been lazy previously and just been able to ask somebody. And certainly pre-COVID, we were all sat in a big office. So you would just lean across your desk and ask somebody. So yeah, I've really had to grow my networks, which has been a huge plus. Everything from LinkedIn to going to networking events, to go into a lot more events with the solicitors. You know, some solicitors we work with, some don't, but they're really good and they still put on free training events and they're really good to network and meet other people. And the majority of people I have met at those events have been standalone HR professionals. So I thought at least I'm doing something right. I felt like I was skiving the first time I went to one. I was thinking, what am I doing here? Does this mean that I can't do my job if I need to come and find out advice from somebody? But when I got there, the other like colleagues I guess I was speaking to who were all in standalone roles they did that quite regularly to build their network keep up their knowledge and I think that gave me the reassurance that that you're doing it right so definitely through networking and looking for resources more being in the NHS we usually have a wealth of policies and a, a very vast intranet and that's where you get everything from and so to not have that as much where I'm at because we are a smaller NHS organisation and I am the one responsible for creating those resources. Sometimes when they're lacking, I've had to, you know, go 
whether it's online or like I say, get in touch with solicitors or do a lot more reading. And I think it's just reminded me that we're constantly learning and it's not just about doing your degree or doing your CIPD, getting your membership and then that's it. That, you know, it's continuous and it's not just waiting for a law to change. It's about being proactive and seeing what other professionals are doing out there, what other organisations just because it might not be a public sector one, there's not things that we can't steal and adapt and learn from. And in from other countries as well, I appreciate employment law is different, but it's not just about the employment law itself. It might be about health and well-being or engagement or retention strategies. So yeah, like I said before, I spend quite a lot of time now on LinkedIn and that opens the door to a lot of other organisations and professionals. So I think just keeping up my networking and my resources, which was something I was probably really lazy at before. And I think had I not been put or opted to go into a standalone role, I'd have always just relied on more senior colleagues and that passing down of knowledge, which is still absolutely valid. But I think in the absence of that, there is so much out there. Oh, well, I think that's some great advice for anyone listening. And even if they're not in a standalone role, that whole idea of networking and building your knowledge all of the time is helpful for everyone, regardless of what role they're in. But now that we've heard about the key challenges, it would be wonderful to hear about the aspects that you really enjoy from being in a standalone role. I think the main difference I noticed was the level of autonomy. So the decision making, like I said before, from what my day is going to look like to what we're going to focus the people strategy on for the next year. And I think that being in the standalone role, you are responsible and accountable often for that as well. Whereas in a bigger team, often it doesn't solely fall to yourself. And so you've often got to get either buy-in from the rest of your team or buy-in from a senior manager before you can do that. So I do really appreciate the autonomy, the ability to try new things, whether it's part of our reward and recognition scheme or whether it's even just trying out a new form and how's that going to work with managers. So I think the level of autonomy has been wonderful, but equally overwhelming as well. I think it's a big change to go from kind of being told what to do to you telling other people what to do. So yes, I think it was a big, big change, but it's a real positive definitely to be able to have that level of responsibility and to function at this more senior level. And do you find that you're able to get things through or done much more quickly than when you were working in the larger NHS organisation? Because I know that I've worked in smaller organisations and larger ones. I've never worked in a team as big as having 100 HR colleagues. That just sounds absolutely incredible. But what I really found was that when I was in a bigger organisation, you might have an idea and think, oh, this would be great. I would love to roll this out. And you've got to get it signed off by what feels like 20 billion people. This form goes round, everyone signs it, it gets sent to another country for someone in the other country to sign it. And you might find that your idea isn't approved for six months. Whereas what I found in the smaller standalone rule was that I'd say, why don't we think about doing this? And the MD would say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Do you want to do that next week? So it can be A huge shock, but I don't know because obviously it is still an NHS organisation you're working for if you've experienced the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I don't think I had any ideas come to fruition in the largest organisation I worked in. Whereas now, yeah, it's almost dangerous. And that's how I was saying before about the discipline. It was a national thank you day earlier in the month. 
and I decided that we were going to give chocolate bars out to all of the staff and just to be able to have that autonomy. And it probably wouldn't have happened with 18,000 staff because of the cost. But yeah, I think you just get given the go ahead or you don't even need to ask permission as much because you are trusted with that whole division. So I think as long as you can, I guess, justify either your expenditure or your decision making. And for me, as long as they've always got the company and the individual's best interest at heart, and they're all already always legally compliant, I think things happen much quicker, much smoother as well. And that's really exciting as a HR professional that you can make change a lot quicker for staff and that you can implement more positive things. That brings me to my final question for you for today, which is what advice you could give to anyone listening who is thinking of moving into a standalone role, who hasn't been in a standalone HR role before? For me personally, I wouldn't recommend it as an individual's first role into HR. I think the level of support you get from senior colleagues is, you can't put a price on that if it's kind of your first exposure to HR. But I think it's absolutely fantastic to challenge yourself professionally and the level of responsibility that you get. For me, it's all about researching the company so that you know where your support will come from, where the role will sit before you move forward with the role. And personally, I do, I think it's important to have done both so that you get that peer support, you can learn from your colleagues, you work in probably a a larger organisation, but then equally you have that autonomy, that decision making. So I think it's ideal if in your career you get the opportunity to do both. Oh, it's great to hear your take on it all, Georgina. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience with us all. It's been fantastic hearing from you and learning from you today. Not a problem. I adore talking about HR. Wasn't it interesting that Nikki and Georgina identified so many similar things? Even though they've had different professional journeys that led to their standalone roles, and even though they're working in completely different organisations. I know some people absolutely love working in a standalone role, while others much prefer working as part of a larger team in a bigger organisation. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Have you ever worked in a standalone role or are you in one right now? Or has the episode made you think you might like to give a standalone role a try one day? You can always reach me to let me know on LinkedIn. I'm on there as myself, Faye, without an E on the end, Wallace, and that's Wallace spelt with I-S on the end, or you'll find the links to my LinkedIn profile and email address in the show notes. I love hearing from you and I always try to respond personally to every message I receive from anyone who listens to the show. I'm sat here in my home office recording it on my own so it's always a fantastic feeling when a real person messages me to say that they've listened to it and taken something away from it. And then just quickly, before I say goodbye, can I ask you for a small favour? I would be hugely grateful if you could rate and review HR Coffee Time on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It makes such a difference in encouraging the podcasting platforms to recommend HR Coffee Time to listeners who haven't come across it before. And I would just love to help as many HR and people professionals as I can with these free weekly episodes. Thank you so much 
And if you do rate or review the show, please do let me know so that I can send you a proper thank you. I can write you an email or send you a LinkedIn message to say how much I appreciate your support. Have a great week and I will be back again next Friday with the next episode for you.